Super Street Fighter V may be on the way, but what kind of specific changes might the game see once it actually drops? Plus, Nintendo has unleashed the copyright hounds on YouTubers that have posted early access content for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Catalyst has made a major Street Fighter V transition that he might be regretting just a little bit, I have a report about a very exciting breakthrough in my local fighting game community scene, and plenty more to cover here on episode 27 of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect! All right, welcome back to the Event Hubs podcast. A little late this week, you know, we, uh, uh, I'm about to get into this here. Uh, I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me is John Velociraptor Guerrero, if you can uh, get the uh, sound of your voice out there so people know who you are. I don't, I, uh, yep, absolutely, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> people always ask us to, to introduce ourselves, so we want to keep that practice up there. But uh, anyway, we're a little bit late this week, and it's actually completely my fault, because I found the best thing ever and i found the worst thing ever maybe at the same time <laughs> and i am talking about street fighter 5 on the pc i love it it is great um i've been playing with it i've tweaked all my settings i've turned vsync off and i've been playing it it is uh, i have a pretty beefy uh pc here and it's, uh, you know, like I've got a GeForce 1070. Uh, I, you know, do VR stuff here. Uh, it's it's a good, it's a damn good rig. It's better, like just a, for better comparison here would be, uh, it's better than an Xbox One X in terms of performance of how strong it is. So uh, I kind of got fed up with the PlayStation and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to switch over to PC, see how it goes. Like I leave my, you know, Super Diamond Monot account behind, left all my DLC behind uh, with the promise of less input lag, higher frames, all that kind of stuff. And it delivered. It's uh, I'm on like a 30 game win streak and ranked. Uh, I'm up to like silver ar- already. <laughs> I was going to say, what rank yeah. are you playing in right now? Though, yeah, Mr. I'm a, Super it, Diamond Monot in the, in the kiddie pool with silver players. Uh, yeah, yeah, you it, better have a 20 game win streak. <laughs> right. If I didn't have that, it would be, it'd be a big problem, right? But yeah. anyway, um, so I'm loving life. I am loving life so much. And then I get to come right back down to earth. The classic phrase is never too high, never too low. And this is the reason why my PC starts to crash. And I do all of my work on, you know, for Event Hubs, basically on my PC, uh, my phone a bit too. But I mean, my PC is like my lifeblood. It's like this thing is like a treasured item for me. And I like when it goes down, like I I've, I fall into a funk. I'm like, ah, um, anyway, so my PC starts having issues and I'm like, crap like I was you know I'm gearing up to write all these articles on the website talk about it here on the pod and I'm hit with reality in the face of why gaming on a PC can be such a uh, a monumental task and again I have a very technical background I'm fairly confident and comfortable I I'm almost positive I can fix this well I'll fix it one way or another I have to uh, it's you know tied up and work and all that now um but yeah, there, there it is. There's the, there's the crux of it. Like, you know, we were, they were talking about like, you know, I think it was Alex Myers. Uh, love Alex Myers. Great dude. Very smart guy. Very great player. Uh, just talking about like PC should be the standard for, um, you know, tournament play. And you actually have a bit of experience with this, with playing at Wednesday Night Fights, and you mentioned, uh, go ahead and fill the, the listeners in on that. Well, I, I forget, it was after one of the semi-catastrophic events, I think, and, and there was something about PlayStation 4, which, Sony, get your crap together, man. Like, there's so much wrong with the way Sony does hardware, we won't get into it, um, and, and I'm no expert, but just in my, my experiences having got a PlayStation, I never had PlayStation before uh, PS4, and I did obviously for Street Fighter 4, or 5, and um, just so many crappy experiences on it. 
but consoles have have been the the standard after you know we went away from arcade machines and so it was after one of these uh, uh, events with a lot of problems I think with consoles and the idea of running tournaments on PC came up and Myers is one of the many people that brought that back up on social media and it does it absolutely makes total sense at least at the at the beginning of things but it only took a, a little bit of thinking and going hey Myers you remember when we tried to run Wednesday night fights on PC and how crappy that tended to be as well it's different problems and there are certainly perks for PC and, and in a perfect world if it didn't have the bumps that it did like the performance is much better is what I'm hearing through and through on these games but between you know how many different people bring their their different controllers that may or may not work on the PC or you have to install a driver or you have to restart the game every time you want to switch someone's controller out and we all know well I guess play, uh, Street Fighter 5 doesn't take forever to start up on PC that's one of the perks right that is definitely one of the oh perks. my gosh I, the I, okay, a uh, real quick story there, just to interject. I was looking up uh, our staff members' CFM profiles, and I went to go look them up on our, our my PSN, my uh, PlayStation 4, and it took, like, I want to say a good five or ten I, – it took five minutes to go look it up, and the same thing took me, like, 30 seconds to look up on PC. And it was – oh, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is – Sony, what the hell are you doing? Anyway, I'm <laughs> sorry, but keep keep going. So yeah, that's about the gist of it. And so I, I tweeted at Myers saying essentially something to the effect of, you remember Wednesday Night Fights on PC? And he goes, oh, well, yeah, kind of good point. So yes, and, and, and I think that the next generation of consoles is around the corner. Hopefully Sony has stepped their game up. Um, you know, new PCs are coming out every 20 minutes, it feels like. So I think we're on our way to a, a more balanced, stable uh, platform to play on where these problems that we're experiencing right now, now that there's so much attention to esports and fighting game esports specifically, it's going to become a priority for those that have the means to make the entire experience as smooth as possible. And as that happens, these issues are going to get smaller and smaller and I think eventually go away for the most part. So uh, we're in, you know, the, the, I think the latter pains of this kind of a thing, but hold out for a little bit longer. In the meantime, though, yes, PC, a better experience with a couple of little asterisks next to it. Um, a couple of giant asterisks next to it. But yes, yeah, what are the problems? Because, so <laughs> right. John, for everyone listening, John got his PC and just was raving about it. How oh, much better the so Street awesome. Fighter Five experience, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say got his PC, got Street Fighter Five on PC. Mm -hmm. And... And we're just raving about it. It's like, you guys will all do this. You won't go back. It's it's the thing. And then a day or two later, we're like, John's just like, oh, there's this thing going on and that thing going on. I don't know the specifics, but if you want to give us the, the two-minute rundown of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it really light. But before we move off of, um, we're, we're harping on Sony's PlayStation hardware. And their yes. hardware is pretty much like, it's universally a PC with almost all modern consoles now. That's literally what you're running as a PC. And it's how you configure that that is kind of, you know, the big elephant in the room. And the problem here is Sony always likes to leave V-Sync on. And I'm sure most of the people are going, what the hell is V-Sync? I have no idea what that means. Essentially, it's a way of making it so your experience is smoother, but you for that smooth experience, you're sacrificing input delay. And that's a universal kind of truth right now. And there are some solutions that, that make V-Sync have less impact if it's on, and that's called G-Sync and FreeSync, and that's kind of the next generation of hardware. And when Sony and Microsoft do their next-gen hardware, that's I would assume that's going to be one of the choices they make is to do one of those technologies that basically you get the smoothness of, of having V-Sync, but the input delay is not nearly as big of a thing. 
But what the thing is, is if you have VSync off, your input delay is the lowest you can possibly get, according to Blurbusters, which is a website that specializes in this stuff. I did a lot of research here. I've got a brand new monitor on the way uh, just to kind of like offset all this kind of stuff. Like I could get into technical stuff and probably talk about it for a couple hours here, but I'm really trying to keep it on the surface level. Hmm. But the the base of it is, is that Sony makes choices with how they configure their hardware that is not very good for having responsive like low input delay experiences and they've done that since the playstation 3 and maybe even before then and so sony hardware traditionally not always but traditionally has a frame or two more of input lag than other platforms so that's that's basically the essence of it and their load times i remember going to evo oh, yeah. 20 oh, whatever it was and we always played on 360, but they were running Evo on, on PlayStation. And everyone was talking about the one extra frame of input lag, which I didn't really notice because I didn't have a lot of execution characters and things like that. But I did notice that it took 20 minutes to boot up the game. And uh, it was noticeably longer the first time I sat down. The very first time I sat down, I was like, yep, this is a different experience. It's slower. That kind of sucks. So Yeah. It's it's pretty... Um, being a PC gamer, I... I told my son here, I was like, hey, the PlayStation 4 is yours. I'm probably never going to touch this stupid thing again. And I'm not even joking. I'm going to bring it with me to Capcom Cup so you and I can practice. I'm going to keep it around as kind of a backup, you know. But I'm like, once you have this experience, like, you'll never want to go back. And to get into the reasons of why, um, the input lag is something we've discussed a lot. And there's a way of tweaking Street Fighter V to have about as low of input delay as you can get. I think um, from the reports we've gotten, like, three frames or four frames are, are just something really low. It's about a frame less than what the PlayStation 4 uh, offers and you fill it right off. Like you go into the menus and the menus feel so responsive. You don't even realize how unresponsive they are until you have something that just basically instantly goes. Um, it feels really nice. And again, I'm, I'm just want to reiterate, I'm not even fully optimized yet. Like I don't even have my final form yet. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm about to get a new monitor that's even going to make it better. Uh, it's kind of crazy. So it's like, yeah, that that's terrific. Um, so that's the first thing that you get into. The other thing that, that will hit close to home for a lot of people is the um, performance of the game itself, especially when you have a character who pops V-Trigger, uh, like a Nikali, like a Minot, uh, anyone, They um, the game kind of has a tough time handling everything on screen at once, and your frame rates start to slow down. That can cause um, input lag. That also means you have less frames to react to, like stuff starts to skip out. Like when I'm playing online now on the PC, I'm going, holy crap, like I'm seeing now all the all the frames that are like skipping like because of like network lag and not because my PC is having a difficult time keeping up with it. Like my PC, as far as I know, is having zero issues with running the game. It's it's Street Fighter V. It's a fairly old game. It's not that intensive to run, especially if you have really good hardware. And I'm going, holy crap, like I can see all the frames now. Like, again, Nikali pops V-Trigger and he's not skipping all about the screen. You know, like it's like, holy, like, wow, I can't believe um, how big of a difference this makes for me. And, and the best way I can equate this is if you have a game that's running at 60 frames a second, which most people know, versus a game running out of like 50 frames per second that has a lot of dips in there. You can see a difference. And again, I think Street Fighter V mostly runs at 60 frames a second, right? Yeah. But when you pop V-Trigger or you do something or you, you know, uh, online play takes more uh, overhead to run than offline play because you have the netcode running, you have to keep both clients synced, you have to do so much, you, not so much more, but more than you normally do for offline play. Uh, and that is a factor, it adds more overhead into the mix, plus you throw an, um, you know, actual uh, internet lag that happens with it. And yeah, stuff starts to, to, to freeze up a little bit more. So 
getting into strictly performance here, one of the ways of solving those actually get something like a PS4 Pro. Um, that actually is a pretty beefy, relatively speaking, um, you know, amount of hardware. And, and that would, you know, get rid of some of the frame rate issues. And to bring this home a little bit more here, we're talking about very high level, like you want an edge because a 5% difference or a 10% difference is a gigantic one for you. Like mm-hmm. that is a huge difference. Like if I'm playing Dream King, him and I are around the same skill level. Um, I've generally been beating him most times that we've been playing as of late on, on the PS4. And now that I've went to PC, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I've even got more of an advantage over him now. Like, I'm, I'm beating him even more often. And it's more dominating. And it's it's not going to take you, like, if you're in silver ranked or whatever, you're not going to jump up to diamonds, you know, overnight or anything like that. You're getting, again, a 5% difference for some people is huge if you're at the a high, high level of play. If you're not there, though, you're going to be like, I don't I don't really get what this guy's talking about. He's on crack. You know, he's on more crack than he's usually on. Um, I don't get what he's talking about, you know. Um, and that's kind of the big thing here. And so there's a bunch of things you can do. You can upgrade your monitor. You can upgrade your hardware. You can do a lot of things to get a better experience. But for many people who just kind of play the game for fun and aren't like super competitive about it, you're not going to notice a huge difference. It's going to be really cool when we finally get to the point where we just talk about it. Like, you remember when we didn't have perfect online connections? And you remember when there was an input lag issue? It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, those were the days. Oh man, that was so stupid. But it's just an afterthought because everything's completely regulated down to how we want it. And we have it down to a science. There aren't these, these weird variables that are taking away from the experience or keeping it interesting and negative ways <laughs> mm-hmm. a couple other things i wanted to mention though you you had talked about like you're like hey john like why are you going from you know the the ps4 which is a tournament standard, standard. Uh, as it should be it makes sense for it to be the standard for a variety of reasons which you know this will be a 20-hour conversation if we go into all of them but um you're like why why would you play on that and so my argument to this is when you're playing, as I was talking about before, when you're playing online, you have so many latency factors that are that are coming into play. And as much as you can reduce those, you're getting yourself closer to an offline experience. Mm-hmm. So playing on PC online, yeah, I have less input delay and all, have all that stuff, but I'm also playing online. And no matter what, playing online is going to introduce a number of delays into the mix. And so that's why I'm okay with it. It's like, I, and we'll see how I do at Capcom Cup and all that. I'm not expecting to do very well. Um, I'm not training heavily, you know, we're, we're mostly going there to work and, and have fun and, you know, uh, meet up with our friends and all that and, and do those kinds of things. But, you know, playing is, is still part of it. I'm, you know, trying to train up and try to get better. Uh, it's, I'm hoping that the experience is very similar. And I think it will be because basically you're trading online leg for, for PlayStation leg and online leg is always going to be worse than that. And I think that the two mediums will kind of meet there and it kind of gives me an edge and it kind of makes it more like I'm training offline if that makes any sense at all. Um, but you'd asked me about that. Like, does, does that explanation actually make sense or do you think like I'm just way off my rocker there? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything you can do to get towards like the, the offline experience, it's like, you know, go for it. Um, I did want to ask, uh, how how often, because you say you don't have much of a scene where you're at and you're on working the site, as far as I can tell, 24-7, 365. <laughs> um, have you ever played Street Fighter V offline? Like, have you ever, because uh, have you ever found yourself in a local situation? I'm trying to remember if I've I've ran into Dream Key. Yeah, I played um, at, um, I played at E3. Um, I played it offline um, at a few venues and stuff that I've went to. Um, okay. So not, not a ton, but I played it a little bit offline. 
Okay, fair enough. Because I'm really looking forward to being able to, because uh, we've only ever been able to play each other online, and so now we'll be able to play on at Capcom Cup, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how the experience is there. Because it's uh, obviously a little more pure. You, you don't have the the excuse or the uh, the benefit or the, the hate of, you know, well, it was online, there's lag, there's something, you know, some variable we couldn't control. Um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. And, and Capcom Cup in general, though, I think the whole thing is going to be a blast, so... Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to playing you online again so I can laugh at your inferior hardware. Makes so, sense. Yeah, yes. yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> PC Master Race guy. Gosh. Yeah, there we go. Except for when it crashes, then not so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will just quickly throw out there to, to end this point that we as a community really need to stand up to these companies and and say, look, you need to incorporate cross-platform play into your games. We need this as a community to keep our scene bright, happy, and wonderful. Um, you know, Fortnite now has like cross-play. Minecraft has had cross-play for many years now. Uh, this should be a standard in our community where these companies are putting in the resources at least to make like... Uh, if you're going to make it like cross-platform compatible, I get if Sony and Microsoft are arguing and doing their normal dumb stuff and making dumb statements about it, but at least make it cross-platform with like the PC so that you can you can have a bigger pool of players to draw upon. And it's important for our community, as much cross-platform play as you can do, do it. I know Capcom talked about Street Fighter V being difficult and they badly needed Sony's help on pulling that off. That's fine, but that should become the standard. That should become the norm. Almost all of these games are on Unreal Engine, and that is a PC engine that you know was built for the Unreal you know um, game. And uh, it, most of the games that are built with it, uh, Fortnite is one of them. Uh, that is, it, it's a cross-platform game. It can be done. Street Fighter Five is an Unreal Engine game. It can be done. Put in the time to do this. It is important to our community. We need it. If these games start getting announced here in the future and they don't have cross-platform play, raise a huge thing online. We're going to be talking about it on event hubs. We need this as a community to unite our community together and get great products out there that we can play and have fun with so that if our friends buy a different console than us, we're not able to not play them. That, that sucks. That completely sucks. And, and we need this as a community. So damn it, pick up you know your your torches and, and pitchforks and like you know go like you know raise hell if if they announce games without cross platform play in the future. It's the shit. This has to be the gold standard going forward. I remember a few years ago, just around this time of year, South Park doing the Red Robin wedding. Um, yes. I won't spoil anything. It's a playoff of Game of Thrones, but it, it all is based on the fact that the new PlayStation and Xbox consoles are coming out, and which side will you be on? That kind of stuff. We won't have any more Red Robin weddings if we have crossplay. So yep. come on, come on, Sony, come on, Microsoft, get it done. <laughs> yeah, especially for fighting games. We're, we're such a niche genre. We need this. And of all the features developers can put in, this should be very high up on their list. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, so you had some news come up here. We had a, a big giant Dragon Ball fighters patch drop. And I wondered what your thoughts were on this. So I, uh, after the initial flare of Dragon Ball Fighters and watching it a handful of times on stream and uh, I mean I, I love the uh, the IP um, and and have had fun watching it to an extent but it is also one of the longest games uh, to play out and um, and so I haven't been uh, following it hardcore just you know the big things Kazunoko has his third Dragon Ball things like that for the for the tour and whatnot and how Goichi seems to be falling off a little bit compared to Sonic Fox and, and Kazunoko and such 
but yes, this patch drops, and so I looked into it a little bit, um, and also spoke with um, Donka from from mm. Best of Five because we will hash out things like that, and he's a little more plugged in. And the general consensus was. Well, first of all, every character is getting something changed. It's a balance patch that apparently goes across the uh, the entire roster, and um, some of the big notes were the uh, Bardock being probably and unarguably the best character in the game as it stands right now. Right. One of the many reasons that he is so is because his level three super attack um, leaves leaves opponents in such a, well, for a 50-50 mix-up afterwards. So he's doing a really long combo, hitting with his hardest hitting move, and, uh, and that in and of itself takes like a 10-second animation, which contributes yeah. to why these games uh, tend to go so long. Because this stuff's happening multiple times every game. You're usually having Bardock mirrors. Well, um, it no longer leaves uh, characters that have been hit on the ground in a situation where they can get um, as much of a mix-up. I think Bardock ends up farther across the screen when the uh, the whole thing is said and done. So what you're no longer going to be seeing, in theory, I haven't seen it in practice yet, but is Bardock hitting someone... Comboing them from 10 minutes, locking into a uh, level 3 super as they build their bar up to who knows how high. And then after that hits and the whole animation is played out, then he goes into an immediately other one and then kills them. It's like, yeah, it's, it's just too much. So they're trying to tone down that character. The same thing happened to Android 16 where I don't um, use... Before you move on from Brawly here, uh, I, I saw some people commenting about him. And a lot of people think he's going to be about the same in power level, but he's going to drop a spot or two. So instead of being the absolute number one in this game, like a lot of people are saying maybe he'll fall like a spot or two, about three or four range, somewhere around there, which would be a huge change because I think he's the most popular character or very close to it. Yeah, pretty easily. Were, yeah, you were saying about Android 16. Right, and, and it's about the same thing for Android 16 because um, he, he had similar properties on his level three super, so it leaves him just kind of farther away. Uh, but going through the cast, like the other big things that come up when you're talking about this is, all right, well, how about the really low tier characters like Beerus, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. who's supposed to be one of, if not the like, absolute strongest characters on that roster, technically speaking, um, and he's just been trash for forever. The general consensus, though, is that those that are low tier are going to get a little something, but they're still going to be low tier, and those that are high tier aren't going to move too much. It doesn't seem that apparent. Like like what you said, people are saying that Bardock might drop a spot or two. Might. you know. Mm-hmm. So, so the shuffle probably isn't huge. Whether or not that's a good thing, I don't know. And a lot of this is still just speculation from a community that's about to or just has begun to dive into what this new balance patch offers. So... Um, but it's it's nothing that where people are like, oh my gosh, this is going to turn the game on its head for X, Y, Z reasons. So a lot of it will just be sitting and waiting and watching to see um, if anyone just kind of suddenly pops up from the bottom or if like, you know, Bardock falls and, and isn't quite as popular as possible. One other sentiment, and I'm not sure exactly why we saw this, but immediately after the, the initial patch notes were were kind of hinted at, people were saying Gotenks was going to be the best, although I saw yes. some response to that too. Did you have any any reaction to that or any yeah, further information? Yeah, it's actually the same thing I've been hearing. Uh, and I think I said Brawly before, my apologies. I, I did mean Bardock, Bardock yeah. yeah. Um, got my wires crossed there. I, I'm going to blame my PC issues on that one. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so Bardock and, and Gotenks, I'm hearing people say like, uh, Gotenks is probably going to be the new number one and he's going to dethrone Bardock basically. 
and just all the buffs he's seeing. And I, I heard the same thing about Android 16, just kind of looking through the notes. I'm not a very good Dragon Ball Fighters player. I play a little bit, you know, just to, to you know, get some time in there. And um, it looks like he's going to drop off a bit. And those were the two main issues I saw in the game. And now, unfortunately, it looks like Gotenks is going to be the new issue where he's on pretty much every team. And you're going to see that damn volleyball super <laughs> every five minutes. And it's like, ah, we we traded one for the same, you know, a different but problem. Gotenks basically. is like, Bardock's um, at least kind of a badass that the only experience we have with mm-hmm. him is him like va- valiantly dying to trying to defend his race against an evil tyrant. Gotenks was just kind of a just annoying, you know. It's like little kids, and he was supposed to yeah. be, but he had the echoey voice, and he whines, and he turns people into food oh, and volleyballs and stuff like that, and it's just ugh. So I don't know what you guys have unlocked, you Dragon Ball Fighters players, but if your game's even more difficult to watch now, outside of watching Cell intros, which we don't have as many of now because Cell is not as good as he once was. Then uh, I don't know. You might you might start suffering some viewership loss. Yeah, I will give a big hand here to Arxis and to Bandai Namco as usual. Again, uh, my love for Bandai Namco is very high right now. I just they continue to not everything they do is perfect, but so many of the things they do is are just wonderful to see. Um, but I will continue to hand it to them. Like they keep tweaking the game, and it needs it. Like you're seeing the very traditional three v three fighting game stuff happen, where it's like. 10 to 12 characters are playable and then everyone else like if you ever see them it's very rare and you're like oh wow like I actually saw you know Krillin come out or I saw Nappa come out and it's it is what it is Uh, that's how these games are normally you know put together so the fact that they're so willing to balance them very often and try to shake up the meta a little bit and shake up who you're seeing up there um i mean it wasn't that long ago where adult gohan was like you know almost on Mm -hmm. everyone's team and then uh uh tn uh tension hand um like he started actually having a little bit of a rise up in power here Uh, android 16 has been very good before uh he's very good again now and now he's you know supposedly going to be dropping off like again these games do need a lot of tweaking. I'm glad to see it. It's some people might dispute that, you know, like in the middle of the season, I, I know Goichi was on Twitter saying like, Hey, uh, my team just kind of got obliterated. What the hell's going on? Uh, he hasn't been very happy about that. Uh, I think Sonic Fox kind of said like, Hey, you know, suck it up and deal with it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Don't quote me. Um, but something like that. Um, so it, it's interesting, you know, I, I it's, it's, you go both ways with this one where you have the Street Fighter community, which is like, hey, don't do it that often. And then you have the NRS community who's like, yeah, we get our game tweaked like every like, you know, kind of minute. So, I mean, it, it might be different like the next time you play a ranked match. So it's it, the schools of thought here are very interesting. Uh, I'm personally very happy to see it just from a spectator point of view. I love variety. Uh, and with 3v3 games, especially if you see the same characters over and over again, it can get very, very tired. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, that game kind of has... Uh... It looks good. It's it's a great IP, but it has certainly started to started to weigh on me as someone that's not super invested in the competitive aspect of it. I, I so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing how they continue to develop it, how they continue to make it um, a spectator sport because that seems to be one of the big necessities for games um, in this day and age for for the fighting game community. It helps us grow. It helps us get better. Uh, I know people like to knock that, but remember that more time more money invested in this in your games is a good thing and a lot of that comes from the esports aspect of things uh that helps them with so many you know dlc sales uh product longevity um people sometimes like to focus on like oh you know they're just making it for a spectator version of the game you know like they're making it for the end users like yeah that's true and you can look at it in that you know form that you know they're they're making the game 
too shaped to that, but there are benefits to that where these games are getting updates and having lifespans far greater than we've ever seen before. And and they're just, you know, continually put resources into them. We get so many more things now. Speaking of continued support, there's actually a couple of other games that are getting balance patches. Um, Fexel, so Fighting EX Layer, mm-hmm. the, they're getting one here, I guess it's tomorrow. Uh, the end of uh, of November, November 30th, they'll be getting uh, a balance patch for their cast of characters. And then uh, a game we don't hear about too often these days, but King of Fighters 14 is also getting a balance patch, kind of out of left field as far as um, as far as I thought. You know, I'm like, well, this game is, uh, I figure SNK has probably moved on at this point. Um, 14 had its kind of heyday and, and was around for a bit, but you know, didn't make it to Evo, and um, and it started to kind of slow down. And I think, well, maybe they're they're looking on to their their next project and whatnot. But that's getting a balance patch at the end of December. So that's all they, they didn't give a specific date for that one, but just that it would be at the end of the year, um, in December. And then uh, it's kind of the rapid fire round here. But in Jump Force, oh, you're gonna say something. Uh, just to add in, actually, with King of Fighters, again, it's a good case in point there. Uh, that is a game that is getting a longer amount of support in terms of, you know, like, hey, we're getting a balance patch for it. You don't hear a lot about it. We know Samurai Showdown is on the horizon, not too far off. And it's like, hey, there's another example of esports kind of propping up our community. I know people, again, hate some aspects of esports and they're fine to hate it hate as much of it as you want to and don't like it but there are benefits here too uh that are important to look at and and, you know can have a nuanced point of view with this stuff um esports is providing a lot i'm a big esports guy uh um, even though uh, gutex is one of my great friends in the community i love gutex he'll probably come up with an anti-esports like you know club shirt i'll probably pop that puppy on right away <laughs> um, it's uh I, I get both sides right you know but i get it but anyway um so on the jump force front which i don't know how I, this game perplexes me as an event hubs writer because it's not necessarily the kind of game we we have covered in the past but there's been so much interest on the site here and and there's also some crossover from other titles like Dragon Ball Fighters, where we have similar characters and whatnot. And the game looks pretty, um, well, it's pretty detailed. The graphics are, are fairly modern. Uh, and, and people have been very excited for it. So I'm, because of that, I have gotten more and more of, uh, of my interest peaked, I guess you could say, for this, uh, this title that's coming out. This like 3D fighter, brawler, I don't, I don't know, what's the official genre or the subgenre of it? Do you know off the top of your head what you'd call this? I'm sorry, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, it's, it's like the Gundam games. <laughs> but um, so uh, Shishio and Himura from uh, Roni Kenshin are on the way to, to Jump Force as well. Um, so that's something more mm-hmm. you can check out on the, uh, on the website. We have some images and the, uh, the gameplay trailer for that. And then one other character uh, coming to uh, yet another SNK game, Jean d'Arc. Uh, is coming to SNK Heroines Tag Team mm-hmm. Frenzy. Yeah, she's from World Heroes, actually. Uh, I used to play that game quite a bit back in the day. And um, she she would, like, throw, like, a fire bird at you, like a, a little birdie. I think she said, fire birdie, and, like, like throw it at you. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, she had some, a really cool moveset. She was a good character, but she just, I think she always kind of sucked. And so we never played her that much. Like, there was characters with, like, re-dizzies and other crazy things in that game that were much better to play. Uh, there was a Bruce Lee character called Dragon who had like a, an instant like a, you just did like back forward and he would do like a basically a flash kick type of move and and you didn't have to charge it like you just back forward kick and, and he had a redizzy and all that. So uh, the characters who couldn't do the incredibly cheap stuff uh, didn't get played a lot. And yeah, she was one that makes of them. sense. I mean, if you have Bruce Lee who does a really good OP flash kick, 
GG's rest of the cast. <laughs> yep. Um, so that's kind of our, our lightning round. Um, and we, we have a little more news to get into, but I did also want to share the happenings of my, uh, my local community because I've been having fun, uh, one, experiencing that, and then two, sharing it with you guys. Because I figure, especially on the locals level, a lot of this stuff overlaps, and, and it might be that a lot of people are experiencing the same things and just it's something you don't necessarily talk about or hear about, so you don't communicate it to other people. Or this is also potentially a really good idea to, to add some extra flavor and such to your local happenings. Things. And this was that uh, we had two players. Um, one, this actually, this is Street Fighter V is his first fighting game, and uh, and the other one was Driftwood, uh, my my longtime uh, training partner. Decide that uh, well, the the new guy's name was Nate. He actually eliminated Driftwood from one of the recent tournaments we were in, so this became a big thing, and uh, it it kind of blew up on social media. It was a very respectful, but. But um, kind of harping on the, the guy that's been around for almost 10 years, losing to the brand new player. And so they organized a money mm. match. And we talked about it uh, for a good mm, three, three weeks or so on social media. And people started putting bets on uh, you know, one player or the other. Nate represents Phoenix. And then Driftwood represents Tucson. And so we're like the warring cities here in Arizona. And so that all culminated last night. And, and he and I drove up to Phoenix to play this and... Just, you know, random Wednesday night, decided to do this and record it. Just not even a live stream, but on a, on a phone with some audio equipment so we could do some commentary as well. So we had myself and then a Phoenix player uh, for balanced commentary. But, you know, everybody in the place just came together to watch it. And it wasn't, it wasn't Tokido versus Daigo, right? It was a new guy versus an old guy. And there was an expectation that the old guy would probably win. And, uh, and so it wasn't, it wasn't just like a run-of-the-mill thing, but the entire community got invested into it for one reason or another, whether it was mm-hmm. turf uh, pride or whether you put some money down or whether, you know, you're just kind of getting into it and wanted to watch. Another guy showed up that I don't think I've ever met before and said, oh, I saw this, you know, on the, on the, on the threads on Facebook and I wanted to record it because I thought it'd be really cool. And I was like, wow, you know, there's there's a lot of hype around this. So they played it out. Um, spoilers, Driftwood ended up winning 5-2. to two, But there was some really great, um, uh, ad, uh, what is it, adaptations made by Nate throughout. And you could tell he was super nervous. Mm-hmm. This was also his first money match ever. Right. Very nervous at the beginning. Right. Every time he scored an opening, he just dropped combos, things like that, and just, and just fell apart. And Driftwood was actually playing disrespectful. He'd do minus two moves and then rip EXDPs. Oh. And he's known for that showboaty stuff. Oh. And a lot of it became... Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we talked about not only the technical execution, but also if you've ever played in a longer money match, this was a first to five, you or, or just a longer set in general, it's very easy to get pushed off of your mental horse and then and then be riding mm-hmm. with like only one leg up on the saddle and dragging, you know, for the rest of the thing. You can very quickly snowball or avalanche into mental, just completely be deconstructed and, and not be able to to regain any kind of composure. Nate was able to go from obviously not having composure and obviously being nervous to bringing it back and winning two games and starting to, you could see the evolution. And that was a victory in and of itself. And so the whole nice. the whole community had a blast and we posted like, well, we're doing this again in two weeks or something like that because there was just too much excitement. So I encourage everybody that, that has a local scene, if you're not already doing this, maybe every two weeks, maybe once a month, you know, maybe just on, on the off weeks that you don't have a tournament, 
schedule some exhibition matches and, and try to do it with people that are close to the same skill level. You could do teams, you could do whatever, and it doesn't have to be in Street Fighter. It can be in whatever game you want. But man, this really has helped our community come together in a way that we just hadn't done recently. And so, like I say, I really um, recommend it to anybody else that isn't doing it. And this actually gets into uh, a huge thing of establishing narratives and building an audience and having fun. Um, it's something people really lose sight of for some reason. I don't understand why. And you don't have to be Tokido or Daigo or Justin Wong or whomever and compete at that level. Like that's great. And we need that. And we have to have that as a community, but not everyone's going to be that, you know, and, and there's a, there's a place for other stuff is what I'm getting at. You look at things like college sports, um, high school, whatever, a ton of people still tune in and watch those. And we know for a fact those are lesser players. It's lesser things. Um, there's no one out there. There's no college team out there, as far as I know, that could even beat a single NBA team. Uh, there's been, you know, talk of that in, in basketball, of, of that happening. But even most coaches and most GMs are like, yeah, that's not going to. No, that's, you know, you've got maybe three NBA players like that could be, you know, NBA players on a college team and, you know, versus a team of 15 NBA players, you know, right. out there. It's, like, it's a huge drop in skill is what I'm getting at. Yet a ton of people watch the NCAA tournament. There's a huge narrative. There's a huge hype building machine out there about this. And I actually don't, you know, really care too much about your local scene when you're talking about it like normally, but. When you're talking about this, you piqued my interest completely. I was completely into everything you're saying, going, holy crap, Like that sounds interesting. I'd actually probably like to watch the footage of that and kind of see what built up to it. It was a great angle. It was a great story. And that's something we do a lot here on Event Hubs is people will send us you know, random combo videos or random tournament footage. And it's like, what can we do with this? Like, What's your story? What's your angle to get the mass audience in there and you can do this. And, and it's something Alex Valle was talking about as well on social media very recently. Um, Valle has so many good ideas and he's been around for so long and seen so many things. This stuff is important to build. You need to build uh, a narrative people can follow, something they can follow. Um, one of the examples, again, I'll throw out there is WWE. Uh, we all know that's fake. We all know it's entertainment. Wait, what? The real thing is boxing or mixed martial arts, MMA, whatever you want to say. But WWE still has a huge following and it's based on the story. It's based on uh, and obviously, you know, the, these these people performing are extremely athletically gifted um, and just do these amazing things and get pretty beat up in the process as well. There's you know, there's that aspect. But there's so much here we could be doing as a community to build stuff up. Um if you look at the most popular streamers or our YouTubers in our community, they're not always the best players. Maximilian's not the best player out there. Uh, he has a huge following. Uh, Gutex and Mike Ross, um, you know, they weren't the best players. You know, uh, they were good, but they put on a great show for people. They had a beautiful thing that they had built and a huge amount of followers. And, and I'm going to actually get a little... Um, uh, emotional here. I talked too much about like excellent adventures and how much I miss that. Like it's just, it was such a special part of our community and I'm so sad it's gone. But anyway, I digress. This stuff is important. You know, you need to look into how to build a beautiful narrative for your community, for your scene. Even if it's only your scene that cares about it, it's still fun. It's still something you guys can have fun with and other people could enjoy too. Yeah. Well put. So now that we've gone off that high note, let's talk about Nintendo uh, banning people's YouTube channels or getting them banned and hitting people with copyright strikes because Super Smash Bros. Ultimate somehow made it out at least one little copy. It's like the beginning of the the, <laughs> the disease movie or something. And just one right. little thing happens at the very <laughs> beginning. It causes this chain reaction of and all hell breaks loose by the end. And 
someone has to come and, and save the day. But uh, apparently, at least one copy of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate made its way out of what I'm going to personally guess is probably one of the the big shipment areas that, that these games go to before they make it out to you know GameStop and, and mom and pop shops. Because a lot of times, uh, games will leak early, or, or will the, you know, mom and pop shops will break the street date, so it'll be a few days early. But uh, the game's supposed to come out on December seventh. I'm I'm not an expert, but I don't think that even the the, the retailers are going to have the game at this point, like at least when this leak happened. So it probably happened in some more factory kind of setting or, or placement. Regardless, it, it it leaked out there. And um, and then because it leaked out there, people that have, to my understanding, essentially jailbroken switches, uh, Nintendo Switch, the the, the console, mm-hmm. you can basically download a ROM that that is the game. So you people are playing the game probably quite a bit now, um, and and you're gonna want to obviously try to stay offline with that if that's you because Nintendo is on the hunt. We hear about leaks, we hear about data mining all over the place and early content with a lot of the other games and a lot of the other companies that we cover, especially on event hubs. But Nintendo, they have been ones that have taken pride in dotting I's and crossing T's, not letting things leak early. And and they've they've always played kind of close to the vest. You know, they've they've always there was a hard time getting um, Melee streamed for Evo. Uh, um, I think there are a handful of other examples that if you go back through Nintendo's timeline, they're pretty particular about how their products are handled and, uh, and pretty conservative about things. And a lot of the Smash content, starting with most of the music, the game has like over, I think it's like 100 or 900, some, some ridiculous amount of tracks. <laughs> and that started leaking out first. And it made it to a handful of YouTube channels that specifically just put forward game music or, or music in general. Um, yeah, and I want to add in that I can neither confirm nor deny that the King K. Rule Everyone's uh, talking about gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the entire Event Hubs team may or may not, like I said, I can't confirm or deny that, may or may not have been listening to it all day long for several days before it got taken down <laughs> off of YouTube. Yeah. Right. So, anyway. so, so Nintendo comes out with this and people, uh, so they get these, they put it on YouTube. One of the big sites that did this is called Crunchy, C-R-U-N-C-H-I-I. And they are known for their, um, just they're very much a musical YouTube channel that posts things just like this this and nintendo hit him with a handful of copyright um uh what is it strikes Mm -hmm. and ultimately got youtube to ban the channel altogether and it is not only it's not only getting those videos that were put up down it's the channel's gone if you go and look for crunchy at least when i was writing the article about it you could not find it um now because crunchy is such a like they're kind of one of the main guys that do what they do, and naturally you're gonna have a whole bunch of other people that do it just without as big of numbers. But they, you know, they're taking off the the crumbs from the table that Crunchy leaves. Um, there's another uh, YouTube channel named Distifizer, and they actually spoke with I think it was IGN. They're under the same kind of fire, and their channel is still up, but it's going down on I think December second. They had like a week before their channel is just gonna be completely obliterated. I don't know why there's a timeline for it, but they're in the same boat. Um, and they spoke with IGN and they essentially said, well, you know, we saw that Crunchy was doing it and we thought, well, we have to do it now. And this is the story for a lot of channels, right? We have to do it now because uh, it's old news if we wait until the game comes out and everyone's doing it. And, and especially if, you know, Big Deal Crunchy is doing it, if they're running it, then well, then we're all going to follow in suit because they kind of paved the way. Well, 
uh, it was not the uh, that was not the Piper to follow, you know, uh, because now um, Nintendo has gone after them as well. Uh, I'm not sure if if that's continued to happen or if the fires are contained. But hey, if you have Smash, uh, don't put it no, up on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, knowing Nintendo, they are not going to stop until they've probably got pretty much everyone. And your your channel is called GG's. Uh, it's gone probably for good with that kind of copyright strike. Um, you can fight some copyright strikes on, on merit, but YouTube is not unaware of this stuff and they know that if you have uploaded smash content before release they have some idea of how you got it and what's going on there um your channel's probably gone for good and so don't do it it's not worth the risk uh it's a crazy thing to do there were a bunch of people streaming on twitch and i think twitch either took them down or did something as well um it's a big deal in this day and age to to mess with that stuff. Don't do it. It's not worth the risk. Uh, just unplug your console and play and have fun until release date, and then you're good. Um, so now in talking with some friends, namely Steve, uh, you know, Ace King Offsuit, the guy that does mm-hmm. all the wonderful tournament schedules and whatnot, he was kind of contemplating, well, is this is this an overstep by Nintendo? Are they stepping out of bounds and being too much of an overpowered tyrant to be able to... Cause because get this, like for Crunchy and and Distifizer even, who I think Distifizer had like seventy eight thousand or so subscribers, if my memory recalls correctly, and I don't know how many Crunchy had, but like I said, they're a big dog at least in this avenue of YouTube. That's a lot of people's livelihoods probably that, that yep. they're being shut down now. Yes, technically you're not supposed to um, to do this kind of a thing, but the question came up, and, and I'm still like I hadn't thought about this before, and I'm still kind of trying to just gather information and opinions of people that I respect. So hence this conversation with you. Um, do you think that this is a an appropriate punishment for the crime, or do you think that this is yes. a little bit too much censorship? No, it's a hundred percent appropriate. You, you, it's a whole different thing if you're uploading tournament footage. Uh, if they got like Gimmer from the Smash community or or someone like that, um, or Level Up or whoever, you know, and and they're like, you know, you know, you guys got copyright strikes. You're putting up, you know, game footage, blah blah blah. Um, a whole different story. Like if it's of a tournament, you know, this is post release, obviously. Uh, if you do this and you know where this came from, these guys are not idiots. Uh, you don't get up, you know, up to that many subscribers and have that successful of a channel without understanding the stuff to some degree. And YouTube censorship in terms of copyright stuff has been all over the news, up and down and left and right. They send out a lot of notices and other things. So you can't really plead ignorance in this situation. Uh, you can maybe in some you know respects, but like I'm not buying it for the most part. And you also know if you do Nintendo stuff, they're really strict uh, with content creators about what they do and don't allow. I think they even put up some some guidelines and rules, basically, uh, like of what you're allowed and not allowed to do very recently. Um, I, I actually agree with them in this case with pre-release stuff. Like, I get it. Like, you you have to respect the the street date of this stuff and let them have a chance to get it out there without spoiling the entire game before other people even have a chance to buy it um and i get that like post-release like i don't see it uh and nintendo has done some post-release stuff i definitely have not agreed with yeah absolutely and uh well so so here's the next question though okay so say say that the game is now out and crunchy you know runs all of the music and and gets paid for doing so on youtube and then Nintendo decides to say, that's our content. You can't be making money off of that. Is that crossing a line? I definitely think so, yeah. It, it, and this is post-release, you said, right? Right. Yeah, it's that's definitely crossing a line. Um, it does depend on the content. Like, I get if they want to sell, like, you know, soundtracks and all that, and he grabs that and does it. But it's... 
copyright law, and I'm no expert here, it's uh, it's very it's always a gray area when you're talking about it in terms of what's acceptable and what's not, and it often comes down to what the copyright holder views as acceptable or not. So if they're allowing you know Jim, Tim, and Fred to do that, like you know John should be allowed to do that as well, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of my my statute that I look at. Um, you know, some companies like an infamous example I'll give actually is Metallica. Uh, Metallica <laughs> like went after people hardcore um, when they were you know downloading stuff on Napster, and they they were really adamant about like, hey, you're not going to pirate our stuff. Where you know other bands were kind of like, look, we don't like it, but like we're not going to go after and sue our fans about that. That's crap. Like we're not going to do that. Um, that would kind of be the example I would point to. Nintendo's fairly infamous, again, for for being pretty draconian with a number of things. My goodness, are they litigious. Uh, they they really go after people. Um, less so like suing people, but the, the copyright strike stuff is, is pretty, you know, pretty strong for them compared to someone like, say, like a Blizzard or, you know, a Riot Games or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you say that, you know, Metallica doing what they did is probably a little bit much, too. Oh, way too much. It's it's you want to adapt with the times. We've been guilty of this too. Like we've went after our users with like ad blocking way too much, and and we've we've backed off of that and realized that was a really bad thing to do. And that's a hundred percent my fault. I'll completely own up to it. We needed to come up with a better business model. Like it was just to take people back to that. It was go out of business or put this up, and we decided to put it up. Uh, Event hubs probably would not be here if we didn't do that. Uh, I'm not even joking about that. Um, you wouldn't be listening to this pod. You would not have a website to go on. Mm-hmm. It would have been gone. At the same time, I wish we would have handled it differently. I wish we would have went about it in a better way. Uh, and that's how come we haven't went after adblock people. Uh, again, in the, in the future, we're trying to figure out better and healthier ways of dealing with this that honor and respect the readers that we have. And, and we need to be better. And again, um, please understand, Turning off your ad blocker on event hubs is a huge deal. It helps us out immensely. I really appreciate it if you do that. Um, but we need to find better ways of having that dialogue with our readers and getting them to do it in the right way. And this is, goes back to Nintendo. I, I hope Nintendo, and to some degree they have, does the same thing where they learn to engage their fans in a much better way and a much healthier way versus like, here's 50 copyright strikes. You're done. You're never seeing the light of day again in terms of being a content creator. Goodbye. You hmm. know, and. Well, uh, you've you've moved me. I'm gonna go and uh, pay for my my copy of Saint Anger that I got there you from, go. <laughs> you know, twenty years ago, or whatever it was. Because I feel so bad. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, speaking of Smash stuff, uh, just so you guys know, we, we don't talk about it a heck of a lot on the pod. Uh, both John and I are not highly highly versed with Smash, and it's such a very technical and deep game. But we are going to be having Justin Adaptive Trigger, uh, Gordon, come on uh, our website or the website, the pod, and talk about the game quite a bit here. Um, when it comes out so it will be coming up very soon and if you want smash like this guy will drop knowledge on your head that you will not believe kind of he is incredible uh he is in my opinion the best smash writer on the internet you're not going to find a more uh well-versed and knowledgeable writer out there i don't think they exist this guy is amazing and so now that i've hyped him up the poor guy's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders but he, he can live up to it so anyway we will be getting into a lot more smash stuff especially again a triple a game on the horizon we have to go you know deep dive this puppy and we will be absolutely and uh little known fact adaptive trigger and dream king are setting up for a uh, an epic smash brawl well i shouldn't say brawl but uh bout once the game actually drops where i think they're both going to play ridley right yeah it's a ridley mirror uh <laughs> The story there, I'll, I'll very lightly say that the 
I think Dream King said like, hey, if Ridley is announced, like, like we have to do a mirror match and like, you know, and so uh, we're going to have it streamed. I'm hoping to get the guys to do a story about it and talk about it in depth. Um, Adaptive Trigger is very good at Smash. He can win tournaments um, like, you know, just his, you know, local tournaments and stuff. He's won a few of them. Uh, he's a good like tournament tested Smash player. And Dream King is OK at Smash, but like I can beat him sometimes. Like I think he's a, a decent bit better than me. But uh, so I'm expecting him to get killed. But I have to give Steven here a little bit of credit. He's very good at um, learning a game right from the get-go and being pretty good at it. And he also plays really cheap characters that are so dirty and hard to counter. <laughs> and I had to give him props for that. Uh, but he's stuck with Ridley on this one. So, uh, But so is Adaptive Trigger. It's a Ridley mirror. You know, they got to throw down. So it, it just grabbed my attention because Justin, for obviously you guys don't really know him outside of just his writing for Smash, but he's like the most gentle, nicest, quiet, you know, just guy. But when they talk about this, he becomes Mr. Competitive Cutthroat and it's brilliant. I love it. And that's why it's got my attention enough so that I'm going to share it with you guys because you should be looking forward to it too. We'll keep you updated on how it goes, um, if nothing else, just here on the podcast. But yeah, it... it Man, video games bring out different sides of people, and it can be quite exciting sometimes. You don't understand, Justin, John. He is a cold-blooded killer. Apparently. He is a cool... Yeah, it's, it, I played him at, at Smash 4, and I played Mega Man, and I threw my metal blade at him, and he plays Wii Fit Trainer, who's low-tier and a terrible character. And he grabbed my metal blade, and he kept it the entire match and beat the crap out of me with it. And I'm just like, what are... I, how, what are you doing? I don't even know what you're doing right now. Uh, it got to the point where we were playing a, another match four-on-four. Four. Like, three of us were all teaming up on Justin, trying to kill him, and we could not do it. He beat all of us. And it was just like, the guy is good. He's very good. Uh, at least, you know, in comparison to us. Uh, again, he's a he's a tournament level player and all of us are very casual. So, yeah. Get rec, scrub. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think we have uh, a whole bunch of non-confirmed, non-official stuff to talk about now. huh? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, I we The main anchor here of the pod is what we're expecting from... Season four of Street Fighter Five. Will that be Super Street Fighter Five? What will the title be? Um, there has been so much coming out here uh, about the game. Xkira. A lot of this has come from him. Um, he basically has uh, said in very recent times that data mining isn't quite what he's doing. He's actually hitting Capcom servers up and getting information off of there, and they're not able to stop him. He has a password is what he said, right? He yeah. has a password and username, and I'm just walking up inside of their servers, looking around and coming out and sharing it with the world. Yeah, and I his his English skills are not... A hundred percent, you know, they're there and he can, you know, clearly speak in English. English is a very difficult language to master and to, to understand the nuance of if it's not your first language, even then it's hard to do. My goodness. Um, so he, his communication is sometimes like, you're not a hundred percent sure, um, everything he means is what he means or everything he says is what he means exactly. But it's generally, you can kind of get a feel for it. Uh, so he's hitting their servers up and and they're apparently like Capcom Japan is putting up bunk information now to try to throw them off the, the scent of what is real and what is it's not. Capcom versus x so great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's been going off a little bit here on Twitter on, on doing that. But to get into some of the things that he has confirmed in recent times, or at least is saying now, uh, again, we have the, the Super Street Fighter 4. Support for the game is said to be ending here in 2020. 
And, and what that means to me is we have the next generation of consoles coming around that time. And it's going to be interesting to see if Capcom basically wants to shift over to Street Fighter 6 and say, hey, you know, we've done Street Fighter 5 now for, what would that be? Um, it came out 2016, so be about four years, four or five years or so. And, you know, they kind of want to branch out. Maybe they want to get it on all consoles this time and not just PlayStation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I'm not 100% sure. Like, that's, and again, Capcom statements have been very carefully worded here to say support's not necessarily ending, just support is guaranteed through 2020. That is what all they've said. And and it does make sense that, you know, even with Ultra Street Fighter 4, like, they kept the game going a little bit, like, even, you know, when the new uh, next generation consoles hit and kept updating with a bit more DLC and a few more, you know, you know, uh, highlights and different things that's probably what we're looking at here with street fighter 5 like it's probably going to have a lifespan into 2021 2022 like when the next generation consoles really get going you're probably going to see a street fighter 6 announcement or some kind of our street fighter alpha 4 or whatever you know genre they want to branch into there our, our um iteration i should say i'm excited for that by the way i i um, just real quick here, because I know we're talking about something else, but um, as we're, it's like, wow, we're already getting into the idea of the next Street Fighter. When Street Fighter Five has been like the new thing, right? Because it was so long for Street Fighter Four, and then Street Fighter Five happened. It was like, whoa, what? And then, but now it's like, yeah, well, it's probably going to come out fairly soon. This chapter is almost closing. And the way I've been trying to practice in this game, it's it's more content that's not going to help me win immediately, but help me win throughout Street Fighter games in general. So now mm-hmm. I feel much more prepared transitioning from five into whatever we get into. So, uh, but man, there's like six different conversations to be had in that. But I just wanted to say I'm hyped for it. Whatever's coming, I'm hyped. It's fun learning this stuff. Like uh, Rose is coming out. Uh, Manat is probably the most uh, technical character in Street Fighter V, you know, putting her behind me and, and you know, getting rid of all my super diamond points, that's a thing. Like, it's, it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, like, I don't care. But, like, losing all my DLC and all that, like, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I'm okay with it because it's learning something new, and and I know I'm going to be that much stronger for it. So uh, I'm very happy with Street Fighter V as a game right now, especially with the input lag uh, being gone and not having to deal with load times and all that. I'm getting really into the game and having a lot of fun with it. I think it's got a nice future in front of it still for a few more years, obviously. Um, but uh, with the next generation consoles coming, one of the things that, that's tipping us off of, of why we think it's it's coming around this time is PlayStation has generally had, on average, you know, evening it out between all the consoles, about six years of life with it. And we're getting really close. Like 2020, I think, would be around seven years or somewhere around there. Um, and and this actually came from Dakota Dark Horse Hills, um, who's one of our staff writers here. Uh, does a great job, um, really, uh, really filling in the blanks, does a, a wonderful job with research on our website. If you see a highly researched piece, like half the time it's probably coming from Dakota here. Um, so uh, giving him a shout out, which you well deserved. And um, anyway, so that's why we're thinking this is going to happen. And traditionally speaking, um, when a new generation of, of, of hardware launches, like Capcom doesn't have a Street Fighter game ready right then and there. It usually follows like a year or two after, somewhere around that, that time span after, you know, a, a next generation console launches. Like they do like to polish it up at least a little bit more for that, that next gen console. So. Sure. So without getting too far ahead of ourselves, though, now uh, looking more into just what's going to happen next year. The idea is that. OK, so so. There is the arcade version going to Japanese arcades, and we heard about that um, a month or two ago. Um, uh, and I'm not sure exactly how this translates, but the important thing is that Excure says that the important thing is with this new update, he can see in the code or he can see in the files or something along that line that 
there will be another version of Street Fighter V. He's calling it Super. I don't know if that's what they're going to call it, but for all intents and purposes, there will be another update similar to the way that Vanilla Street Fighter V went to Arcade Edition. Arcade mm-hmm. Edition will go to, we'll say, Super. And that, I mean, that could bring with it so many different things. But when you see an update like that, well, what have we seen in the past? New single-player modes, new game mechanics. Obviously, you're going to probably get one of those big balance changes, one or two of them every year. Mm-hmm. Um but they, I mean, last time when Arcade Edition dropped, we got the um, the the entire like the the visual overhaul, right? So they turned a lot of the stuff to gold and and changed the menus and the appearance of the game quite a bit, kind of like a new beginning, a little little Phoenix right. action there. But then they also added in the extra battle modes for for single player stuff, so you could you know level up with your fight money a little bit more. Um, they put in new trials. They put in arcade. Uh, arcade edition arcade mode um mm-hmm. and that was a pretty in-depth one because you have so many different um you know ladders to climb with the uh, the different eras of street fighter and, and and that kind of a thing and uh and what else let's see there's the overhaul the arcade mode the extra battle mode oh new v triggers everybody got a secondary v trigger so that's when you're talking gameplay stuff and the mechanics change pretty drastically there so that's kind of the the gravity of change that we very well may be looking at right now with another update to the game. And so based on a lot of the things that Xkira has um, said over the last year or two, um, especially because, man, the guy, like we've said before, has just been on point with, uh, with a lot of his changes. Um, he said something to the effect of there's going to be a whole new V system with like V, like additional V skills, but then like V cancels and, and things like that. Um, that I don't think was posted directly on his Twitter. It came up in a forum and it said Excura. It was like someone saying that they found Excura had said this, and that was during the time that his um, social media platforms were all offline. So I take that one with a little bit of a grain of salt, but I do think that um, with that kind of an update, we will see some kind of tweaking to the game's um, actual gameplay mechanics when you're you know actually in the game playing against mm-hmm. somebody else. So you're talking like the realm of new critical arts, new V skills better or additional V reversals. Um, did you have any leads there as to what you think might happen or what you're hoping to see happen? Actually, I did. Um, I, I jotted down here before the pod a, a kind of a history of what we've seen. And I wanted to talk about that and kind of how it shaped the game. Sure. And so we'll start here with season two. Um, there were balance patches and some updates here from, uh, uh, you know, the, the initial launch and then what we saw, but they were all fairly minor and they didn't change kind of a lot of the overall systems. And what we want to get into is more of like what, what kind of had an impact on like the entire game. And so starting with season two, we had invincible DPs generally take meter to pull off. And that was a big change. A lot of people were upset about it. They're like, Hey, like, you know, it's street fighter. Like how can you have, you know, a shuriken attack, like not, be invincible basically and Mm -hmm. just completely change the tide of the match and and they they spoke about like essentially the risk reward there and and we've been getting into risk reward a lot that it was too advantageous to not make those attacks take some form of meter there even with crush counter punishes like it was just too good for those attacks to be what they were and and so capcom universally kind of like wiped them out and and we're you know clear now almost in season four and that's generally worked out okay it's like been like oh yeah like everyone was up in arms about it they did not want to see that happen but it's worked out but how do you feel like you play a character with a dp uh obviously you play quite a bit you're a tournament level player like how do you think that particular changes went over Uh, you know i haven't really questioned it uh there was it was a very clear advantage for any character that had it you know just a, a an invincible dp that didn't have to spend meter on it 
-hmm. there was a huge risk that comes with that. But, I mean, if you think about Alex, characters like that, um, they're going to benefit from that kind of a change because they don't have it to begin with. So then people are more kind of in their their world. And and really, it, it just kind of made everybody sort of like Guile because I don't think Guile had invincible flash kicks. You could hit him out of the startup of it, right? Unless it was EX. So Something they basically like yeah changed almost everybody. Ibuki, for I don't know why, her non-EX DPs don't cause crush counter state if she, if she misses with them. Um, mm. But then like everybody else that has a DP, if they do the light version... Um, theirs will get crush countered for whatever reason. So I, that's that's kind of weird to me. But outside of that, I do think that the change is, is fine. It, you know, as an Akali player, I've been hit with not having that and then anti-air jabs being nerfed and uh, crush counters doing more, uh, you know, crush counters and V-trigger activations doing more, um, what is it, scaling. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, <laughs> Nikali in particular has not liked all these changes, but I do think that they're better for the game overall. No, no, no. You say Nikali particularly hasn't liked those changes. So are, are you saying now that, that he's not very good and he hasn't been very good in any of these additions that he's been? No, no. I'm saying yeah, that I'm like in season sorry. one, he was amazing. I, I'm just trolling you. It's it's so funny. It's it, He stayed good. And yet, as you say, I agree. He's been hit by like every single um, like uh, – general system change that has happened like has hit him uh i i'm sure there's some you know that that maybe benefited him but but it's like wow it's like yeah and he still stayed so good so yeah i just i'm mostly trolling you there so my apologies um but moving along uh we also had throw loops nerfed uh some characters still had them but for the most part like throw loops kind of went away and that seems like a pretty good change most people didn't really like throw loops i liked them but um seeing someone thrown like seven times in a row or whatever it did get a little bit like yeah maybe that's they probably need to tone that down a little bit more uh and that seemed to have have panned out all right yeah and people don't want to you don't want to lose to that kind of set play stuff where if someone scores a hit, then they get to just dial in a sequence that's going to cover most of your options and probably yeah. put you right back into it. It's like, well, you're, and that's getting into the whole, there's not very much risk for a lot of reward and it's not a very fun interaction. So I do yeah. think that these, the majority of these changes have been for the, uh, for the best for the game. And, and hey, we're in a much better place with Street Fighter V today than we were earlier on. In fact, we did a, um, was it Stumblebee did a uh, video, a history of, which he's done for Cross Tekken and, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. He did one for Street Fighter V. And it was like, man, those are some dark days at the beginning with how many problems there were on all fronts from PR to gameplay and everything. Where we are right now with all of the effort that Capcom has done, it's a it's a night and day difference with this game, and I think people are a lot more excited to engage in it. And it's it's not so much like a chore for those that are like, yeah, well, I want to keep playing Street Fighter, so I'm going to do it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to play some Street Fighter Five, and it's not mm-hmm. maybe it's not the best Street Fighter of all time. That's subjective, but it's definitely better than where it was. And I think that it's because of a lot of these changes. And so good on Capcom for not having a great start, but for for having that recovery. Um, you know, as much as, as much as we can ask for, given where we're at. So rounding out the season two changes, we also had a lot of medium attacks have their startup increase kind of across the board. Um, we had a number of five frame medium attacks in um, in season one of Street Fighter Five. They kind of rounded that up and said, you know, these are going to six, seven, and sometimes eight. Um, and what they actually said, and I'll read this verbatim in the patch notes, was characters who were able to attack more often and had a long reach became significantly stronger uh, with the balance, other balance changes they made. Due to this, regardless of strength of the character, generally uh, attacks for all characters have been adjusted. And I say uh, good games to Vega because he got nerfed into oblivion pretty yeah, much with that. Me. 
Uh, and yeah, Nikali was one of the few characters who actually kept his mediums intact, and so did Karen, and both those characters ended up in a good spot. But again, looking at the game now and how it evolved, I hated that change initially, but I was like, yeah, that that's fine. Like, it fits the tone of the game. The game's a little bit less oppressive than it was in season one. It feels a little more calculated. Um, and then the last change here that we had that was, you know, a big impact for season two was gray life recovery. And I remember talking about this and like, I remember that the initial reports I think came from Capcom cup where we had a new build of the game and, and we're like, Holy crap. Like gray life is like going like way slower. And, and, and we're like, that's going to be awful. Like, why would they do that? And, and now um, it, it's just, the risk of doing like an armored move or doing something that absorbs or blocking too much, like it's much harder now. It's much harder to just, you know, do that and then just kind of, you know, roam around the screen for a few minutes to get all that life back. Like there's an actual risk with it. And it does make the game a little bit more volatile, a little bit more offensive, which it probably doesn't need. But I don't know, for me, that's kind of one change that, that's held up pretty well. Uh, I was initially very skeptical about it. And I'm like, yeah, that, that kind of fits more. Like I'm glad that characters can't sit back and, you know, absorb a bunch of attacks and just recover it in like, you know, five seconds or whatever. Then 2.5, we got, um, they removed the jump back OS, the jump back throw OS. Uh, and that was again where you would, um, as you woke up, uh, you would you would block for a split second and then jump up and back, and then that would cover like the throw, and it would cover you know uh, media attacks that didn't hit low, and uh, sometimes it would hit. Low, uh, you could actually block low even and, and get it, and just Capcom kind of removed it. They don't want OSs in this game. I'm very happy about that. Um, and then DP attacks were universalized, uh, if that's a word, uh, to be basically the same for all characters with lights, countering throws, mediums for anti-airs and heavies, um, for, you know, combos and damage, although they have a little bit of an attack and projectile and vulnerability. Now, do we have anything that's sitting around right now that people are talking about like that? Like when they were talking about throw loops, anti-air jabs, things in that realm. Do we have any of that? Because nothing comes immediately to mind. Or have those check or those boxes been checked, and now we can focus on on different things? Yeah, I've got it sitting right right here in front of my face in terms of what I think the next big issue is, and that's V trigger scaling. Um, I think that it's one of the big issues that are that's still the kind of the elephant in the room now that every all the other elephants have been removed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like V-triggers are probably universally too powerful. And I'll, I'll go ahead and get into this right now because it's I was going to save it to the end, but no, uh, that's I think it's a perfect time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, season three kicked off V-trigger scaling where if you did a V-trigger in a combo, you would you would scale out pretty hard. And um, and that's good. I think it, it starts at like, what is it like? It starts at like two or three or something like that. So like you're getting 70% damage or 60% damage. Like it's, it's a pretty hefty scale. Yeah. And, and I mean, just before then, you could just be pieced out so fast by that. And V-triggers carry so little um, risk to them and heavy, heavy, heavy reward. Um, and I'd like to see that taken a step further, actually. And more V-triggers actually to be three bars. And the ones that are two bars, like to be adjusted a good bit, to be more in line with the, the option of choosing them. Um, and on that note, I wouldn't be shocked if many characters in the game uh, have the option of, of a one or two bar V trigger and not so much like, you know, I have two, you know, two bar V triggers basically I can choose from as not. And a few characters are like that to actually kind of vary up the gameplay a little bit. And, and those two bar V triggers really should not be as good as they are. Um, I'll throw out a couple of them like uh, Abigail's is way too good. Monat's V trigger one is way too good for a two bar V trigger. Um, balancing around that, as we've talked about before, just seems like a, a very foolish choice in general. It's, it's like, look, like it's, 
that carries so much reward. Like, why are you putting that much reward on a thing that has almost no risk at all? Um, and, and I get it. Like V reversals are, you know, a thing that you can throw out there and it's one of the sacrifices. I just, it's not a big enough sacrifice um, to V reversal and, and especially with the two bar V trigger, right? Well, V reversals are so whack most of the time. There's mm-hmm. option selects to get rid of them, or, or you know, you know, punish them and waste you know persons like you know very precious V triggers. I especially feel that as an Akali player, it's like, yeah, it's going to be some real specific situations where I'm even going to be thinking about using V reversal. Sometimes it's really good, you know, and sometimes you like offensive V reversals. They can be really well placed, but as a general mechanic in a game that's so offensive and it's like one of the only defensive mechanics or, or options for some characters, you know, that don't have. Um, uh, like you know get off me moves uh it's they're just they're just not good enough mm-hmm. yeah it's that's a big thing i think and i want to see for season four i think capcom's going to take it a step further uh it's 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 not 100 percent what we saw in street fighter 4 but we did see v- or, uh, ultras in that game generally get dialed back to the point of um they became harder to combo into naturally they did less damage um you saw the dual V trigger, uh, or my goodness, I always want to say that. Yeah, dual ultra, uh, but they did less damage. So you got more utility, but you had to be more thoughtful in how you applied it. And I I, I think that's the trend we're going to kind of see going forward. I hope it's what we're going to see here with season four. And, and so if I had to bet right now and throw money down, it's like, I think that you're going to see a very heavy balancing of V triggers um, and, and stuff like what Laura happened, her spark show, it went from two bars to three bars. It's a damn good V trigger. It works great. Like, why was that ever two bars? You know, and again, she was such a weak character in season one. That's why that happened. Um, but let's try not to balance the game around V triggers like that. It's a bad idea just because of the inherent risk reward those moves carry. There's the utility of the V trigger when it's active. And then there's the utility of canceling into the V trigger because you get to do moves like a sweep and then just pop V trigger. And hey, I don't care if it hit. And it's like it only happens once, maybe twice, depending on the character, if you get two V triggers per, per round. But those can be some pretty crazy swings. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I get it. The whole point of this mechanic or a huge part of it is, well, one, to make the game unique and have its own mechanic. But it's a comeback mechanic, right? So it's like, this is a chance for people to come back. And it's like, so you're never quite counted out. Okay, I get that. I can appreciate that. But, you know, someone wakes up with a jab, cancels into V-Trigger, and gets like a full combo or a full corner carry. It's like, you get so much off of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can you can convert with so much for like you said before. There's almost no risk in doing it. And mm-hmm. and they 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 paid attention to like wake up DP. Like if Ken does wake up EXDP into V trigger, well he's like at least minus five, and you can hit him there. That makes total sense. But it's like why are there so many other moves that are, you know, less risky than than dragon punches that you can just. Or I'm sorry, uh, well, yeah, I guess less risky than Dragon Punch is that you can just cancel uh, V-Trigger from and make completely safe. Or if they've hit, well, then, hey, you get to go into these huge combos with your in using your V-Trigger. I think that... Yeah, I, I do take issue with you saying safe because not only are these moves safe when you usually activate them, they give you a huge advantage. Uh, you're usually like in the you know plus five to plus eight range well, when like, you activate a V-Trigger. Yeah, you can like use Nikali's Roundhouse. Again, this, this would probably hurt Nikali, but I think it's ultimately better for the game and you cancel like one of his heavy buttons and you go from being like minus four to plus like 15 or something goofy like that it might be a little closer like plus 10 but you get this like 
very, very clear advantage. And hey, that's V Trigger Nikali in your face. And I need to shut yep. up so that we don't <laughs> get my character <laughs> nerfed. But I'm just saying That's that's the event hub's way now, dude. We get we get all of ourselves on here and we talk about Abigail, Monot, Nikali, and those characters are gonna get right. obliterated in this next version. That's what we're out for. Yeah. So But so so I think that there's something to be done. I mean, yeah, there are certain certain obvious changes, like Abigail and Monat need to have three bar V-triggers. Okay, that's pretty easy. Vega should probably get a little more utility out of his from while. But in general, maybe a change where you don't get as much from, from activating. Maybe it's safe, but it's not plus. Stuff like that would be a better, you know, because you can't just use that as such a crutch. Because it has been nerfed, and we're... I don't know. I'm personally okay with where it is because my character loves it. But if they made that change, I, I would I would see where they were coming from. And I think that it might be something that the game needs. Yeah, it, it, it drops down the volatility of the game and makes it less robbery. Uh, and that would be a universal change for everyone. But that's I say universal change, and I, I say that with the caveat of you have to tweak it on a per character basis. And now does, um, uh, let's say, let's say Bison, let's say you nerf his V trigger one. Does he go from being a top 10 ish character to bottom five now, you know, because you tweaked his V trigger too much. Uh, that's a very real possibility. Same thing with Nikali, same thing with a number of other characters that are too heavily based around that. And again, if you dial back everyone's V trigger a bit, I think I think the moves will still be very effective and highly useful. Everyone's still going to use them a lot, uh, especially again just for the plus on advantage. Um, just you know, make someone block a normal activate your plus very heavily. Almost everyone gets a very solid mix up off of that. Uh, that's great. No one's going to stop using it for that reason. Um, so yeah. Anyway, getting right back into it, uh, listing off some other changes here. Season three command throws actually had an increased recovery on whiff pretty much across the board for every character in the game. Capcom's like, hey, command throws are two damn good uh you're gonna whiff them more uh and then they also made adjustments to, to anti-airs and jumping the hurt and hit boxes on those generally the aas got better uh anti-airs got better and anti-air jabs were, were reduced even further and then characters jumping's got generally a little worse and a little easier to anti-air to kind of discourage the rampant jumping that we saw in the game uh and, and so that was interesting to me like did you have any thoughts like when that stuff dropped in season three were you how did you feel about that well, uh, again, I lost my anti-air jab for the most part. So I spent a really long time just getting jumped in on and trying mm-hmm. to jab still because of muscle memory. But I do think that like, if you just listen to how much people didn't like that and how much not fun was being had, how much frustration was stemming out of anti-air jabs. And believe me, I heard it because I was using it all the time. So people were really pissed off. And it made sense, you know. I think that there should be a little bit more difficulty that goes into um, an anti-air. You know, to, mm-hmm. to have to enter in the the command for your you know your special move, Dragon Punch anti-air, unless of course you're Falk or Ed who have single input uh, <laughs> that, and it's like, well, that's kind of in the realm of uh, of anti-air jab, but it's not as fast, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not as OP as those were. So um, yes, I do think it's an appropriate change. The only thing that I worry about with those are if you leave a character or two with that advantage in some form or other, then they very quickly rise to the top. So if you're going to do this, you better make damn sure that nobody slips through the cracks because they're going to rise up to the top of the food chain in no time, at least in certain avenues. So yes, something I'm happy about, but if you're going to do this, you better do it right. And I guess that maybe that goes without saying, but... I mean, being the <laughs> apparently my character just hinged on all of the gimmicky, crappy Street Fighter Five stuff, and it's just getting worse. Uh, but given that the situation, that's how I feel. 
Yeah, no, no comment on that one. But anyway, <laughs> I'm moving right along. Uh, in season 3.5, and this is, brings us to current times, um, we had crush counter scaling uh, kick in much like we saw V-Trigger scaling. If you got a crush counter uh, right after that, you'd scale pretty heavily. I think around like 70% damage, somewhere around there. Um, and then normal throws became, again, once again, harder to loop. Uh, a lot of those loops that were left, they made them a little bit more... Um, not actual true loops and then but they got their damage increased a lot of throws got you know like an extra 10 20 damage or so uh and then v reversals all got their frame data close to universalized again i don't know if that's an actual word or not but uh they basically went to around i think there were 16 frames or, or uh whatever before that and they all became about 17 frames so Moving right along again, uh, we've already talked about V-Trigger changes. Um, the last change I'm kind of expecting universally for Season 4 is crush counters and neutrals to be adjusted somehow. Uh, we've spoke about this a little bit before, um, and I've mentioned, and I'll just say it again, that uh, only frame 1 of a, a crush counter button should crush counter. And Monat already has this property with her crouching heavy punch. Uh, and the huge difference you can see if you, you play against Monat at all. Um, her stand heavy kick, uh, it can crush counter on any part of it, I believe, any any frame that hits it with. And then her crouch heavy punch can only do it on, on frame one, as I mentioned. And if you go in training mode or do anything like that, you will see how much more often you crush counter with stand heavy kick over that button when you're anti-airing. Mm -hmm. And again, just by virtue of simple math there, you're dropping down the amount of, of crush counter opportunities in neutral about 66% uh, less than what we have right now. And I'm okay with that. Like if at that point, like if you're able to crush counter me on frame one of that, like you maybe deserve that reward, you know, and, and it's, it's, it, it's more skill involved versus just randomly throwing it out. It's like, look, I have to hit you kind of meaty with this to, to even crush counter you like, that's good. It doesn't alter punishes. Uh, it keeps the game pretty much intact of how it is, but just fishing for that, that like, oh, well, I've got a, you know, three or four active window uh, of possibly hitting you with a crush counter here. I'm just going to throw it out and hope for the best. Um, that goes, that that's there, but it's dialed back a lot. And then it skews the risk reward away from, from doing that so much. Right. And for those that, um, work better visually what that kind of looks like is um what's a good move like nicali's standing roundhouse you know that one that's got four frames i believe of active it's got four active frames so when it's out there it's like when you're playing neutral and they throw it out there and you see it and then you press a button but you happen to just catch the tail end of those four frames so it's like the foot's already out there for a bit and then you're going in to hit it but you still catch the um like the last active frame, and then you get crush countered, that kind of a thing wouldn't wouldn't happen anymore. You'd still get hit there, so you'd take like the, what, the 100, 110 damage or whatever mm -hmm. it is for getting hit by a heavy, but you're not crush countered, building their V gauge, and then followed up upon. Uh, the other the other uh, means of, of changing this, um, actually, for the first time, uh, it came up for the first time for me when Justin Wong talked about it in one of his recent videos, but that would be to add more knockback to when crush counters happen so that characters can't well characters like guile or like birdie can't follow up with full combos now some characters already can't do that so like you said earlier with the previous change this would have to be on a character character basis if they were to go this route but the idea would be okay you get the crush counter so you build up some v trigger gauge for doing that you get the damage um, and then you get a little bit of a follow-up but you're not getting like when birdie hits you with a roundhouse and then just gets to dash up and do a full combo probably into a, a an oki setup whereas some other characters get like the hit and then have to like move forward and try to go for a sweep or a single other hit it's a big difference and so for some characters to have that and some characters not feels pretty imbalanced so 
this is this is one I know that when you and I spoke about it, you were not too keen on. You think there's a lot of like for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch, um, and there's a lot of ditch that comes with this. Yeah, it's the universal truth. One of the universal truths I would say is that um, whenever you change something, there are always unintended consequences that you just you never anticipated them happening before, and as much as you can not reinvent the wheel and, and put in systems and other things that you know work fundamentally well, I think that it works out better. Like there's less chance of, of a higher percentage of unintended consequences. So I'm sure there's going to be unintended consequences to what I'm talking about. Like there's going to be some punished situations. Like someone's like a Falk player and they're like, do you realize that what you propose, John Catalyst, you're the dumbest person alive <laughs> ever. And this completely screws over Falk who does not need that. She's already terrible. And that happens. Like that's the reality of what we deal with. And when you have so many characters and so many moves, that that's just what goes down. But uh, again, I, I that's why I, I skew a little bit away from that. I just I worry about um, like a character like Urian and his ex headbutt. Like some characters have a very difficult time punishing that with CC already right now because he can land so far away from you, and you do not want to make that move virtually safe or very 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 hard to punish. That's uh, a bad idea to do that, and that's what I worry about there. Uh, I could be completely off my rocker. Just that's some of the stuff I see. You know, I wrote the uh, the article about this, essentially laying out these two possible paths to uh, nerfing crush counters. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Did you read the comments? I did not. I hardly read the comments these days. Yeah, well, good, because you need to not read comments for the sake of your, you know, psyche staying intact, because they can get pretty toxic, man. But I did uh, <laughs> run through these, and people were not too keen on the idea of balancing crush counters um, at all. Mm. People have said, well, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're good where we're at. I'm happy with them. Don't mess with this. Mess with something else. But the overwhelming majority, at least when I checked it, and it's uh, I think it's grown a little bit in the comment section, but people were just not about the crush counter nerfs at all. They're happy with it. They don't want it to change. That's, you know, that's only one, you know, part of the population, the people that read that and commented on it on Event Hub. So take that as you will. But the very negative response to the, uh, to even the proposition that we nerf crush counters. Uh, it's, it's great to factor in. It, it's Capcom does have to factor in the stuff like we're talking about it. We think it's it's a good idea. Um, we're both, you know, reasonably high level players here. Um, yet there are some players out there that are like, look, this is a huge reason why I play the game. This is very fun to do. And you're trying to get rid of it. And what are you doing? You're making the game no fun and dry and very plain. And that's mm -hmm. a real risk. And you do run into that uh, over time. And it's, it was kind of one of the universal things with, with Street Fighter 4. People are like, look, the game is so defensive and boring. You can't open someone up unless you're super patient and calculated. And there's no there's no freedom of expression in the game. And people mm -hmm. are like, well, yeah, there is. But if you, you have to do this. And like, yeah, they're like you have to jump through 50 hoops to have freedom of expression in this game. That's bull crap. Like it doesn't. And I, I'm not trying to bash Street Fighter 4. I'm just giving one side of the coin here. Um, it's important that we talk about this stuff. I'm very glad that you brought that up. And, and it's a great point that I have literally no counter to it all. Uh, it's a very valid point of view. Yeah. A lot of the things that were brought up were mainly like the, the priority systems. Like don't mess with crush counters, mess with the priority system. That's its own conversation to have. Oh boy. Me personally talking about what might come, the the crush counter hill is not one that I'm really willing to die on. I'm okay mm -hmm. with where they're at. Like it may it might be better with what we're talking about, but I'm okay if if we skip that and focus on other things. People have talked about getting additional critical arts. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's something that the game needs. I think that 
when we got extra ultra combos in Street Fighter 4, that's about the same idea as what we're talking about here. And that's for freedom of expression and for your character to have something more against the matchups that they're not good with, right? So it's like if you're not a if you're if you're bad at getting in on zoners, well maybe now you have an ultra or a V trigger, depending on what game you're talking about, that helps you navigate through the zoning mazes. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I don't I think that we already have that with the V triggers, and I think that I mean, you don't see critical arts all that much, usually once around per, you know, character, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, what I do think instead is a secondary V skill could be amazing in helping the characters that are lacking. It's like, hey, there's a whole avenue where you might be able to buff Ryu just with giving him something worthwhile in his V skill uh, and in, in a lot of efficient ways without having to change the character all that much in other avenues. And it, it also helps in the realm of player self-expression. And it's it's just like, it's, it's a fresh look for the game in general. And you're going to use a V skill so much more often than you're going to use a critical art. And even more than you're going to use a V trigger. So some characters, like, like I'm, I love my V skill, right? I use that all day. It's very much right. part of my gameplay right. and it's very efficient. I was lucky with that. But then you have like Armika who, yeah, sometimes will pull out the microphone, but in very select situations, and she's really not using, she's not basing her game plan around that, which is what mm-hmm. I think Capcom wanted to do. It's like, this is one of the ways these characters are made unique, and it adds to their their general um, just approach and their general style. They hit that with some characters, they missed it with others, but a secondary V skills would give them an opportunity to make that up with other characters that, that just don't even have worthwhile V skills, and it would be a, an opportunity to give other characters that maybe have certain specific bad matchups, a new, another tool that, that maybe they don't usually use it, but in certain matchups they can use their other V skill. Um, I, I think that that would be very much something that, that the game and Capcom could benefit from if they, if they go down that avenue and they do it right. Makes so sense to me. That's what I'm fighting for. I think the most, if, if we're talking about new mechanics, I think new V skills would, would be the most efficient thing to, um, to tackle. Yeah, going from a Vega player uh, and then a Bison player then to Monat. Monat has a very useful V skill. Uh, you have to use it all over the time. She has one move. Um, I joke, I think she has two, but <laughs> V skill not counted in there. Like You have to learn to use a V skill and be efficient with it. I very much appreciate having a good V skill that you can actually use to be, build V gauge, and it's practical in a number of ways. It's, it's very nice to have. And, oh, man, a lot of the characters with bad V skills, like, no shocker, they're low tier. Um, so... It's not a universal truth, but it's there. Um, so I wanted to get into a little bit of obvious balance changes that you think are coming, like, you know, anything that jumps out at you. Like, a couple that, that have hit me, um, I think Cami is getting nerfed for sure. I know, haha, uh, they like to do the opposite with her, but I think probably her normals are going to get dropped down, and then I think Abigail is going to get a damage reduction. I'm almost positive of those two. Are there any things that, that really stand out to you, like, yeah, I'm almost positive we're going to see this when Season 4 rolls around? Um... No, I'm. I'm. It's tough to read Capcom, mm-hmm. especially with all of the cami buffs. That's a good example. It's like you would expect of her to at least had some kind of a nerf, as opposed to like a slight buff, you know. And and she's repeatedly got buffs. So I mean, it wouldn't even be the craziest thing if Cami got another buff, right? <laughs> <laughs> we joke about it, but uh, at the same time, I can see us just all going, "Well, yeah." I mean, we shouldn't be surprised at this point. Uh, that said, though, I think that. I, so I think Akuma is pretty well. He's he's well balanced for being like one of the best characters in the game, hmm. and and his stuff is not stupid. It's it's really good, but it's not game like 
it's not not playing Street Fighter where so those are the kind of things that I would address first or the game or the things that are making it so that you're not playing Street Fighter. The exception there would maybe be his EX Demon Flip, which is just so versatile and so low risk. So I would I throw that, in Crouching Heavy Punch too. That's a Rashid button for that character. Plus yeah, two crush heavy. counters. Uh, it's it's really stupid. After that, like once you kind of change those two things for the character, I'm I'm okay with it. I get what you're saying there at that point, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's just got really good walk speed, really good frame traps, a, a, a long variety of tools, air fireballs, and then, you know, side switching combos. And, and just, he's got a lot of tools, but it's like, okay, well, he's the character that gets that. Um, I think that if they got rid of one of those tools, or, or rather nerfed him down, um, maybe in addition to getting rid of the versatility of his EX Demon Flip, making it not so mindless. Um, I think that that would be something that I wouldn't be too surprised to see. Uh, yeah, you, you pointed out Abigail. I think that the uh, the V trigger changes for both Abigail and Manat are are very much expected. Um, I would also throw out there that it's time to freaking nerf Bison's V trigger one. And, and again, I've said it before on the pod, the way to do that is to uh, make him dashing, which is like the thing that he does the most with that V trigger, uh, actually cost some of the bar to do. Um, outside of that, again, like I'm, I'm okay with where the game is at. I think that we can do better. But as far as like, I, I don't know. Like, if you're Capcom and you're sitting down, and you're like, okay, well, there, there are so many different places where you can go and you can start to just smooth out the edges. It depends on what they specifically want to do with their game. They're at a, they're at a like a, a big fork in the road with multiple different routes to go down and it's just going to be it's going to depend on which route they want to focus on and and really it's like we'll take any of it because like I said I'm content with where the game's at right now whatever they choose to to make better great um but the the things that I'm most upset with are mostly gone just anything that makes the game again like this is silly with the risk reward it makes it not quite street fighter those are the things that I would hope for all right, there it is. All right, moving away from balance changes now. Uh, the last thing I, I've, I've got on my radar is I think that there is a, a definite possibility that we see eight DLC characters instead of six in season four. And the reason being is they finally caught up on the major projects they were working on. They had a lot of things that they were trying to get through. Input delay, which we know uh, was not a trivial fix to do. That was a, a, a hardcore, big time investment, big resource investment that Capcom did. And it's done. It's gone. The CFN works well. I'm going to knock on wood here in the background. Um, we've got a number of features that are well done and, and working just fine. Um, that's great. Uh, that's a lot of resources Capcom has basically freed up. And I don't know, you know, how much, you know, there's crossover with, you know, game balancers versus, you know, feature makers and all that, but still more resources to work with. And they stopped releasing characters here in August, leaving one fourth of the year without any characters being put into the wild. That's a little different for Capcom. I'm, you know, I'm fine with that approach, but I, I think that leaves a door open here to, you know, kind of rocket up the roster here a little bit more, get eight DLC characters in there. Everyone loves these DLC characters, the costumes like Capcom's making them pretty rapidly. They're turning out mostly okay. I'm not you know, terrified of them uh, uh, releasing that many characters in the season. I think they'll do a pretty decent job with it. So that's that's one of the things I'm kind of looking out for uh, outside of balance. I see, um, and I agree with you, especially with more hands freed up, um, considering all of the progress that they've made as of late. I think that they'll be releasing a new story mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know if they're going to do more in the realm of one player. I think that they've done a lot this year in that realm, and so I would hope that more... Um, attention goes to the competitive side of things and the balance and whatnot. 
I don't like the idea of eight characters simply because I think that every time you bring in a new character, like that's good, and, I, and I'm fine with six more coming. I'm kind of used to that. But with eight, it's like, well, with every new character that you bring in, you bring in the possibility of things to get crazier, and and so it's like I'm I'm cool with six, but eight, it's like there's two more characters that people could want, you know, like hate or that um, that could break the game. It could be just too much, and it's like. Yeah, that's that's fine. If they do it, it's fine. But I'm a little bit cautious of it because, like I said, it's it's taking more risk. <laughs> Makes sense. I'm all good with risk. You got to get good, John. Go lab those characters up. You know, yeah, and I, more I tell, work I have to do. Yeah, I tell that to the player who's clearly better than I am and all that. But uh, anyway, um, and the last thing I've got here is uh, we're very much expecting a new build at Capcom Cup. Uh, with new balance changes and all that stuff uh, to be playable. That's kind of been the history here. Uh, and if you guys want to hit us up and, and tweet at us for specific things to check out, uh, we might not get to all of your tweets, um, but I'm at Catalyst EH and John is Velociraptor just with a, a one instead of the I. And um, and yeah, feel free to like follow us there and, and tweet at us like while we're at Capcom Cup. And if we've got a new build, like, and you're like, hey, you know, like Armika, like we've heard, like, you know, she takes off like her mask and she throws it at you or something like that. Um, like, let us know. We'll try to test it out and, and get a report up on event hubs or, you know, follow up on Twitter. Uh, again, I doubt we're going to be able to get to everything, but uh, we're happy to, you know, test, test out chest out i guess too wow i guess i'm talking about yeah. mika so chest out so anyway <laughs> test out uh changes that are out there in the wild that we think we're seeing and, and happy to relay those back to you guys so if you have anything out there that you want to see from us again just ping us and and we'll do the best we can yeah given that there is indeed a, a build to play on but i guess that goes without saying <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps us up for this episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always again is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to the pod. Uh, again, it's it's fun to do this each and every week. We get to talk about all the stuff that's on our minds, and you guys, you know, um, I'm just so happy that you listen to our crazy rambling and, and, and back and forth and all that and actually, you know, hear us out. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to have this platform, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Oh, and shout outs to Shen for shouting us out. I now hope that you win Capcom Cup. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, we very much, uh, flattery will get you everywhere on Event Hub. So, <laughs> CN, if you win Capcom Cup and body everyone, like 3 0 all the way there, like, uh, dude, like, you're my favorite now ever. So, um, <laughs> you're good to go. So, <laughs> all right, guys, we'll see you very soon. Adios.